Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network. Double, double, toil and trouble. Bitches drink till we see double. Talking shit in each women's life story because this is whining about herstory. The Women's History Podcast, where two besties with breasties talk women's history. And this time of year, we talk women's spooky history. And maybe women you have heard of, but maybe shouldn't have. And generally, we talk women you probably haven't heard of, but definitely should have. I'm Kelly. I'm Emily. And I just want to let everyone know, Kelly was shitting all over her her (laughs) rhyme before she's like I I have an intro and it fucking sucks it's shitty it's terrible and I'm like I'm sure it's fine that was fucking awesome we drink wine until we see double that is fucking everything (laughs) right Kelly it's iconic oh no I love it she's like oh I can't think of a good rhyme for her story I'm just like it's fine just do it awesome I love it I love it so much so this is our last spooky week. Um, and honestly, it. okay, like this is probably one of my favorite months out of the year in general and for the podcast. But I do have to say, I'm really looking forward to not having to cover any more murderers. Yeah, I was running out of like people that weren't like, like I covered a lot of serial killers, but I'm like, I, I was running out of people that weren't like explicitly like more terrible than I'm ready to do, like handle yeah, because we're not going to do, you know, Mae West, Carla Homolka. Uh, we're, we're, we're not going to do those people. Any of the really intense Nazi do... bitches that I oh my don't God. even think about. God, they were on every fucking list. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I just want a gal who killed like one person. Really? I get... just want a simple one off killer and you just can't find them. Because apparently when women kill, we go ape shit. <laughs> Right. Like we don't do just one. We do everyone. Or like give me someone like from the past who like, yeah, maybe killed like a bunch of people, but like there's some mystery to it. You know, it's not just like overdone and overdone and overdone. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was, I was thinking about covering this one woman, which we'll see maybe next year, but it seemed like, I don't know, super basic where it's like, yeah, she killed her her lover's wife and child because she was insecure and maybe she was Jack the Ripper, but definitely not because <laughs> why the fuck would she? Like, seriously, if anyone was found out to be a murderer at that time, someone has been like, but were they Jack the Ripper? Yeah. Hey, remember that pig that mauled someone? Maybe the pig was Jack the Ripper. Right. Like, yeah, I feel like everyone just tosses everyone's name into the hat. Oh, 100%. Did you know that Winston Churchill was Jack the Ripper? He could have been. <laughs> it's totally possible. <laughs> yeah. I can only say that because it's so absurd it can't be true. Exactly. One day it's going to come well, out and it's going to be like one of the absurd guesses. And it's everyone's just going to be like, huh. Someone's going to become a Winston Churchill was Jack the Ripper truther. Right. And it's going to be all our fault. <laughs> we'll, we'll start a little cult. It's fine. We have over 200 episodes talking about sexual inequality 
and no one cares. But I make a joke about Winston Churchill being Jack the Ripper. And, and that's what sticks. Like, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I decided because it's our last week of spooky stuff. I, I didn't have I didn't have the energy for these fucking serial killers. They're they're the worst. They suck. And to be quite frank, a lot of their stories are so similar where it's just like, and she poisoned a bunch of people and she fucking sucked. Right. And that the end, you know? Yeah, I, I so haven't excited. heard of yours. I just saw the title and I'm really excited. I had never heard of this. So I was looking for something spooky and fantastical. And after a lot of Googling and finding a Wikipedia list of like femme folkloric, you know, characters. Yeah. I scroll down and this name really struck me. So I decided to cover Madame Koi Koi, the red heeled ghost of Nigeria. I love it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, we haven't traveled to Nigeria yet. Right. No, Let's- I don't think we have at all. Yeah, let's let's do this. I'm excited. So, we have all had that one terrible teacher. The one who seemed to take pleasure in making students' lives miserable, who was always just waiting for you to give them a fucking reason to like swing their dick around and be like, I'm the boss and you're in <laughs> trouble and nah, 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 nah. we've yeah. all had that teacher. We've all known that teacher. Yeah. Madame Koi Koi was one of these teachers, but to a serious extreme. Madame Koi Koi, named for the Koi Koi sound her iconic red heels made. Because, like, I, I think it's so interesting how different cultures will assign different onomatopoeias to the same sounds. So, like, we might think the clicking of heels, it's the Koi Koi. Or like, have you ever seen those videos where the guy is calling for the cats in different languages? And yeah. whenever he yells at them in German, they're like, oh, hey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's like saying meow in all these different languages. Yeah. And then we calls them in German, which is like, triple over my They're <laughs> like, like the oh, what's like, up? Oh. Yeah. Oh, you are my funny. people. I mean, I kind of believe all cats are a little bit German. I wouldn't doubt that. Totally makes sense. So. Um, so she was a high school teacher with exceptional beauty, which belied her cruel soul. She took great pleasure in punishing students for minor or even fabricated infractions with her liberal use of corporal punishment. Now, mm. I think you and I grew up in a time where like corporal punishment wasn't really a thing. I feel like it was a hot topic, but not, yeah, like not a thing. Well, you grew up in Minnesota. I grew up in Illinois. I know there are some states where it's still hotly debated as to what is, like, where's the line? Yeah, what is punishment? actually corporal punishment? And who's allowed to commit it? And honestly, I should, I'm, I'm firmly in the camp of fucking no one. Like spanking, don't fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it's just you taking out help. your rage yeah. on a child. So don't do it. Um. But my mom actually, so she grew up in a time where I think it was still probably more acceptable, but not common. And she told me a story once a kid in class was acting up and she had these like, you know, twin braids and she giggles at this kid and the teacher grabbed one of her braids and like pulled it down and hit her head on the desk. 
And then my mom went home and told my grandma and was crying about it. My grandma was like, well, you shouldn't have laughed. Oh my I'm God. Like, oh my God. Like, I love my grandma. She was such a badass, but that was fucked up. Well, I mean, you always hear about like in old school, like Catholic schools, like, you know, nuns like smacking people with rulers across their knuckles and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. Whipping out old spanky. But yeah, th- this woman was intense. Allegedly. She was probably not real. So we can kind of say whatever we want. Um, do, do, do. The koi koi of her heels signaled her approach and made students freeze in place, praying that they wouldn't be the latest target of Madame Koi Koi's abuse. Relying on a combination of her beauty and the vulnerability of her students, because again, if they're being punished, someone's going to say, well, you shouldn't have done that. Like, it's your fault. Yeah, exactly. She was able to instigate her reign of terror upon the whole student body. However, Madame Koi Koi's hubris finally caught up with her when she slapped a female student so hard that she left a noticeable injury on the girl's ear. Jeez. This irrefutable evidence, bag of oranges, can't leave a mark. You got to have a bag of oranges. This irrefutable evidence finally forced the administration to act and she was fired. Weird it had to take that much. But again, this is a legend. Madam Koi Koi swore that she would get revenge on the school and its students. But that evening on her way home, she was killed in an accident and was stopped finally from ever enacting vengeance. Or was she? Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> Ooh, dr- drama. She's like a bad penny. You just cannot get rid of her. <laughs> Always heads down. So Madam Koi Koi is a popular ghost in Nigeria haunting schools, particularly boarding schools. I think that's a lot more popular there than it is here. Like when we think of boarding schools, we think like super bougie rich kids going to school in Sweden or something or Switzerland. I think in Nigeria, it's more of a standard. Um, Sorry, I lost my place. I thought I heard the Koi Koi of red heels in the distance and I got distracted. So she's so she's particularly popular in boarding schools with the signature koi koi sound of her heels being this like common thing throughout all of the stories. She is a malicious spirit who engages in activities ranging from whistling and singing and opening doors, which is just like typical spooky ghost behavior. Yeah. Like you hate it. You hate it, but it's not hurting anyone. Except psychologically. Yeah, right? Like, it's it's um, psychological torture. 100%. But she will go as far as slapping students or even attacking them on the toilet. Oh, my God. That's, like, the is, worst. Can you imagine a worse place to be attacked? Just what a nightmare. Like, you're taking a shit. You're taking a piss. And this spectral red-heeled bitch comes out of nowhere and starts slapping you? I mean, I guess at least, like, if she's going to literally scare the shit out of you, at least you're already on the toilet. (laughs) You are prepared. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She's like, I hate children, but I hate messes even more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's... God, seriously. Like, so, so vulnerable. Yeah, no No, thank thank you. you. So she's typically only heard or felt, but at times she may be seen as just a pair 
or uh, a pair of or a singular red heel. Ooh. And she will also terrorize students at night. That so makes it's sense. like you're in your room sleeping and this bitch comes out of nowhere. And uh, you I just see these heels the- going across your floor. Dude, okay. I would rather see a full body apparition than just a pair of shoes. Same. With no one in them. That is supremely worse. Yeah. I, I 1000% agree. And like, also though, I, I think in some of the legends, she like lost a heel. So sometimes it's just like one heel. <laughs> That'd be so creepy. Which I'm like, that's even worse than the two. It's just one heel bopping around. Right. Like, no. Ew, but yeah, so she'll like wake up students being like, where's my other fucking heel? And they're like, I don't know. (laughs) Who are you? Who are you? And why are you in my, in the toilet with me? So uh, in typical ghost fashion, Madame Koi Koi often preys on students who are alone, either being in school too early or too late, which I'm like, way to prey on the nerds. Like they're either showing up early for class or they're staying late studying and you're just like, the only thing I hate more than a mess is a student who really cares about their education. <laughs> How dare. He's a terrible educator. Right? <laughs> so there are several origin stories of Madame Koi Koi, including one where the students actually murdered her after the school wouldn't take action and she came, comes back to kill the students one by one in I know what you did last summer fashion. But that's, I'm like, that was a little too much. I wasn't going to write that narrative. Um, She also has a variety of iterations uh, in other countries in Africa, including Ghana, Tanzania, and South Africa. And sometimes she'll be named Madam and then whatever the onomatopoeia they have for heels is. Or she'll just be like... yeah. Madam Heel Ghost or something like that. <laughs> Madam Heel Ghost. Yeah. Madam Heel Ghost. So the legend of Madam Koi Koi has a dual purpose. And like most legends, the story itself is really interesting, but what it says about us, I think, is even more interesting. So it serves as a warning from teachers for students to behave. It's kind of this educational boogeyman. Like, hey, if you don't behave or if you're wandering around after hours, Madam Koi Koi is going to fucking get you. Yeah. Like, so you better stay in line because Madam Koi Koi. Right. It's, um, it's that like traditional like, oh, here's a ghost to like scare you straight. Exactly. Exactly. You know, she she's a warning. She's a cautionary tale, even though I'm like, she just kind of sounds like she was a bitch who got what she deserved, but okay. Yeah. Um, but the legend also embodies the anxieties and vulnerability that students feel, especially in a boarding school environment. You know, you are exclusively with your peers and your teachers. You may be away from home for the first time. You know, you're probably not having a ton of contact with your family you're worried about, you know, your social life, your schooling, your body, your feelings, like being in school, especially like secondary school, high school is a rough time. And you, I, you feel so helpless and you really do feel like you are the lowest thing. You're, you're the lowest on the totem pole. You know, the teachers have all the power. Yeah. The parents leave the teachers. You have no repercussions. And the story of Madame Koi Koi really embodies that sense of helplessness. That is very true. 
There's also a long history of femme academic ghosts, often young, beautiful women who met tragic ends. And these stories can warn against women who step out of the home to pursue an education in a male-dominated world. So it's kind of like, oh, she got what she deserved because she should have been at home making babies. And some academic ghosts actually also serve as guardians, giving students a sense of security. So again, it's that dual warning, but also kind of a comfort or an embodiment of anxiety. In yeah. the case of Mam Koi Koi, she's anything but comforting. However, the legend of the evil red-heeled ghost that has spread to different countries and different schools all over the place does give students this common ground and a common enemy. You know, it, it it's like a school mascot. Everyone recognizes it. Everyone knows about it. And it's kind of this point of meeting, this point of connection. Yeah. And I can't think of anything that gives people more of a sense of connection than what they're afraid of. That is true. Like... And it's one thing to say, I'm really, I'm really anxious because I'm worried about my academics. I'm worried about getting in trouble or something like that. And because then you're, you're opening your, yourself up. You're making yourself emotionally vulnerable, but to project those vulnerabilities, anxieties onto the shared ghost story. It's a lot. I, I feel like it's a lot easier, you know? Yeah. I, I, it's it's a bo- it's a way to bond with other people and to find that mutual sense of connection. Yeah. Yeah. But I just I think it's so interesting cuz a lot of academic ghosts are women and it's it's either a warning like students better behave or like women shouldn't be in academics but also it can be a comforting element for students. Yeah. But also like the other thing Madam Koi Koi she I think she kind of fits into that, like, women shouldn't be in academics, like, old patriarchal message, because she's a woman. Well, first, so she is betraying her femininity by being terrible to children, by being a teacher who's terrible to right. children. Yeah. Like, she's the anti-woman, you know, in that, that is true. way. I, I, I think these I think these ghost stories centered around women are so interesting because of all the different ways they can be interpreted and how those interpretations can change as our societal views on women and their place in the world can change. Like maybe, maybe at a time, the idea of her being a teacher, like a woman being a teacher, it was like, whoa, she shouldn't be a teacher. And here's why, because they're abusive or something like that. And now it's more of a, I don't know. It doesn't seem as centered on her womanhood, the legend. Yeah. Except for the red heels and her beauty, which are just every, it's like every femme ghost was gorgeous. Right. It's yeah. Interesting. I thank you for sharing that. And I really liked it. Thank you. I I thought it was interesting. And I don't think we've covered any like ghost stories from Nigeria. So if you have a Madam Koi Koi story, please send it to us. I would love to hear it. Or like, is Madame Koi Koi as big of a deal as I'm getting the impression of? Is it like, oh yeah, every student knows about Madame Koi Koi. That bitch. (laughs) Right? Like that bitch. That red-heeled mega bitch. (laughs) Yeah, that is Madame Koi Koi, the red-heeled ghost of Nigeria. Ooh. 
I really liked that. That was a really good one. Hey guys, we know times have been tough lately for all of us. And during hard times, it can be difficult if you don't have anyone to talk to or it can be hard to talk about certain topics. Being alone with your thoughts can be isolating. This is why we are sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen to and help you. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Thank goodness. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that gives you access to the help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That is Amazon fast. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential, just like with an in-person therapist. You can request a new therapist at any time at no additional charges. If you want to talk to someone about your mental health, you can get a 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash herstory. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash herstory. So, Kelly. Yes, Emily. Who am I whining about? Yeah, I was trying to think of how to say it in Spanish because I know who you're whining about. Kian to whining about <laughs> mi vida. <laughs> nice try. Uh, I KNS. am. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I am whining about La Llorona. And I'm going to probably so say that wrong it. so many times throughout because it's, it's not spelled the way it's pronounced. Well, because it's a Spanish, double L. L yep. is because the, that that's its own letter in the alphabet. There's L and then there's the double L, which is a ya sound. It's funny for some reason, whenever I see La Yorona and like say it, I want to be like, my Sharona. Like that's what oh that's where my brain Same. goes. She is gonna kill your kids in the night because she is angry and La, La Yorona. Exactly. We'll just make our own song. <laughs> that's actually how I remembered how to say her name. I was like, oh, it's my Sharona. <laughs> My Urona. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, for people who don't know, because, you know, people from other countries or even people in the U.S. may not know who La Urona is. Um, La Urona is a ghost story told generally in Mexico or other Spanish-speaking or Latin American communities. Although, you'll find out through... My story that like there are tales or similar tales like throughout the world. Um, but La Llorona specifically literally means the weeping woman. So as a shocker to no one, when a name literally translates to something, this bitch cries a lot. Like that is her like key feature. Hey, hey, you know what? There is nothing wrong with showing your emotions. Yeah. And drunk crying. It's fine. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like that, that is like basically the commonality between a lot of these, like, is that that is the very, like, besides the fact that she's a woman, she also cries or weeps is really what they say. Um, and so like, there's other commonalities, like she's very closely associated with water, um, as I'll, I'll go on to tell, but like, yeah, like the main thing is she's a woman, 
she cries, and usually there's children involved in her story in some way or another. So, yeah, there's a lot of variations on La Llorona. There are some people that say, like, you see her from afar and she pursues you. Or some people just say, like, she's there and then you're not there. And, like, you're just never seen again. Um, Like, there are even ones where she like appears riding a horse and I'm like, wait, what? Like that one makes no sense to me or that she'll appear like in your car or on your like wagon in the olden times. Like again, this is a spirit that in certain countries is used particularly for children to warn against like bad behavior or like things like that. Um, And then she just like disappears um, that's interesting because that's very like hitchhiker ghosts. Yeah, and that, that's like, actually what I said. Like, the, there's like the, the a lot of the stories of like the vanishing hitchhikers, and like so some of some of the ones related to her are like that. Um, and in some stories, an encounter with her is fatal. Like, so like there's a wide variety that when it comes to La Llorona, like I said, she's very closely associated with children. A lot of times they say her weeping is to do with her own either lost or dead children. Like depending on which version you're talking about. Um, some of them are that she killed her own children, and so that's why she is doomed to be a ghost, like wandering forever to find them for her sins. Um, and then in other ones, she kidnaps children because she lost hers. Like So, like, there's a lot of different versions, and there are some of them that are significantly darker than others, as comes with a lot of the these types of stories, is that, you know, like, even if you think of like grim fairy tales, like the originals are incredibly dark versus the ones we hear today. Disney Cinderella tastefully cut out the part where the evil stepsisters literally slice off parts of their own feet. Right. And they didn't get their eyes plucked out by crows at the end. Right. Yeah. You know, so personally, I feel the narrative suffered for it, but hey, Disney's gonna Disney. <laughs> right. So let's talk about some of the origins of La Llorona. Um, so in early colonial times, you know, when when the white people moved to America, um, there's a lot of evidence that the lore is even like pre-Hispanic colonization originating in the central highlands of the Americas. And um but La Llorona is most closely associated or commonly associated with, with the colonial era and the di- dynamic, particularly between like the Spanish conquistadors and the indigenous women of like the area. So a lot of the stories have La Llorona being an indigenous woman who either married a wealthy Spaniard or was like married and sleeping with a wealthy Spaniard on the side who then had his children and then he abandoned her and she kills her children because she's so upset. Yeah. Which, which is, you, you might get into this, but it's interesting because it's an, it's an interesting allegory from the, the invasion of colonists mm-hmm. And the destruction of indigenous people and lives. But then there's also that element that like, oh, you know, she's betraying her motherhood, which really is the most important part about a woman. Right. It's supposed to be the most important thing. You're supposed to want to be a mother. And then once you're a mother, you're supposed to be the best mother. And she has betrayed the most like quintessentially feminine thing about herself by killing her children. Yeah. 
Also, no man is worth it. I just want to no. say, no. Don't, don't kill people over a man because they're all garbage. <laughs> right. Also, men shouldn't kill people over women either because- Right, like, how about like, we just don't kill people over other people? I really wish that there was an old book that, like, wrote a set of rules, maybe 10 or so, and one of them was just don't fucking kill people. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like someone should have done that at some point. Yeah, and then that we should have like taken it seriously. Idea. Yeah. And then maybe that book isn't filled with people constantly breaking that commandment. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Including like the person who supposedly wrote the book. God. Literally. Uh <laughs> He killed so many people. I know. People. So many people. Like literally oh, he wiped the earth clean of like millions of people multiple he times. He flipped the board. He got mad at the game and flipped the board. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the earliest documentation of La Llorona is actually traced back to the f- 1550s in Mexico City. But there are actually theories about her um, being connected all the way back to like Aztec mythology and creation stories. So the Aztec had a woman in their creation stories known as the Hungry Woman, who is also a wailing woman who is constantly crying for food, which is similar to La Llorona's um, wailing for children. Like, and so they're like, oh, maybe they took pieces of this. And like, you know, like, because that happens, like people take pieces of other mythology and create their own mythology. And I'm not saying that's what happens, but it could also be like tying things together, you know, like everything's kind of interweaved. And I mean, there's stories of weeping female phantoms in so many different countries, folklores, like, and all of these different things. Um, Like they're, they, they, there's people that have like researched La Llorona and they talk about like folklore in Iberia and American Indian culture, the Aztecs, um, even Lilith in the Hebrew mythology. Um, there's a German folk tale that like has very similar elements. And there's even ancient Greek um, demigoddesses, um, particularly one known as Lamia, um, in which Hera, Zeus's wife, learns of his affair and kills her children. And so then Lamia kills other people's children. Like, and so like, it's this whole like thing and people are like, so there's a lot of like interconnectedness of all these like different mythologies. Well, and I think they, they all come from a similar place. You know, it's kind of like, um, Madame Koi Koi, there's this rooted connection in, you know, human feelings and experiences that inspire these stories. Yeah. And so, yeah. Every culture has a weeping woman. Every culture has kind of the the boogie woman, so to speak. Right. Um, who serves as not only like a warning to children, but she herself has betrayed her femininity and her womanhood by killing her children. Well, I even thought Which of is- doing like something on like the white woman because there are so many versions yeah. of like the white woman or the woman in white. And I, I was like, there's too many. Like, it's too, it's too much. But like, I want to be the rainbow woman. But yeah, like it talks like, you know, like there's a lot of these mythologies and yeah, like what it, I, I also find like interesting. I'll get into this, but like La Llorona is a lot of times see, like seen in white. Yeah. Which I find very interesting because like white is also like viewed as this pure color. And I'm like, she murdered children. Like, shouldn't she be like in, in funeral attire? Or, like, I just find it very interesting. Like what, like what? Like how, how it connects, like, you know, that she's wearing white, but is also this, yeah, like bet- this betrayer of like this very maternal 
feminine thing. It's just very but interesting. She was also betrayed by the conquistadors, which is a very, I mean, that that was a huge widespread cultural trauma. Yeah. So in a way, like she she is a betrayer, but she was also betrayed, you know. Yeah. I just find it very interesting. And her innocence was stolen from her. So I'm going to talk about some of like the most common versions of La Llorona, I guess, um, from what I found. So one is La Llorona, who's also sometimes known as like Maria in some of the in the tales, um, was supposedly born in a peasant family in a humble village. She was absolutely beautiful, as we know how these stories go. She like, was a smoke show. Exactly. And so she captured the attention of like all the area's men, rich and poor. And she had all of these like men coming to court her. And she was said to have spent her days in her humble peasant surroundings, which I was like, that's a that's a thing. Um, but she would don her best white gown in the evenings and thrill the men who admire her in the local fandango. So she'd go dance. Yeah. Um, and the young men would like wait for her arrival and she absolutely like loved the attention that she received as most people do. Um, however, if you got it, flaunt it, enjoy that because it's not going to last forever. Right. So this, this version of the tale goes that she, um, as she got older, she ended up having two small sons who would make it difficult for her to go and spend the evenings out. So she would often leave them alone while she would go and like hang out with these men in the evening. And one day it was said that the two small boys were found drowned in a river. Some say it was her neglect. Others say that she did it herself. And that, that kind of plays into the, the Madonna whore complex that some people right. have about women. You're either a Madonna, you're, you're pure and good, or you're a whore. And she kind of made that transition from being this, pure desirable figure to the whore right so to speak yeah and again and again she is failing the only thing that she as a woman is supposed to want and like do yep, which being is a mother be a mother yeah all right i've i've she, two she can more be an object of desire until she has children <laughs> I have two more versions. So the next version okay. is significantly shorter. <laughs> so this version says that La Llorona was a very caring woman, full of life and love, and, you know, just absolutely a peach to everybody. And she married a wealthy man. Um, this is kind of the uh, indigenous woman, rich Spaniard version. Um, he, you know, lavished her with gifts and attention. She would bear him two sons. And after she had kids, he changed um, and went back to basically womanizing and getting drunk. He would often leave her for months at a time and basically seemingly no longer cared for her. Again, in this tale, she is also like known to be like beautiful and stuff like that. And so, yeah, like it was talked about that he would talk about leaving her to marry another woman of like someone who was also wealthy and like didn't have kids and so when he would return home didn't was, have his own fucking kids <laughs> right and so this one went on to say like when he did return home um it was only to visit like his kids which which devastated maria again uh, she's known as maria in this one too um well there you get the madonna whore thing again exactly well except it's the man becoming the whore 
No, I know, but Maria. Oh yeah, Mary, like Virgin Mary yep. in in Catholic Christianity. So, um, basically, yeah, Maria, Maria began to feel resentment toward her children, and so one evening, as she was taking a walk with her two boys, she came upon her husband in a carriage with another woman beside him. He would stop and speak to his children, but ignore his wife entirely. Um, after seeing this, Maria would go into a rage, turning against her children, seizing them and throwing them into the river. After they disappeared downstream, she realized what she had done, ran down the bank to save them, but it was too late. Um, at which point she broke down into inconsolable grief, running down the streets, screaming and wailing. Um, so that sounds like a psychotic break brought on by severe and prolonged emotional abuse. Right. And so, which we've seen that kind of thing I was like, wrong. in real life, but I was wrong. This is the long one, not the short one. So, okay. um, so it would go on to say that this, this beautiful Maria, this La, La, La Girona, um, mourned her, her children day and night and what she did. And during this time she wouldn't eat. She would just walk along the river in her white gown, searching for her boys, hoping that she would find them alive. She would cry endlessly as she roamed the riverbanks and her, her gown would slowly become soiled and stained. Because she grew, she refused to eat. She grew thinner and appeared like gaunt and taller, and basically appeared to be a walking um, skeleton until one day she just died as she was walking on the riverbanks looking for her children. So not long after this, it is, is said when her restless spirit began to appear, walking the banks of the river again, looking for her children, weeping and wailing, and basically becoming this curse of night that people began to be like afraid to go out in the dark. She was said to often be seen drifting between the trees along the shoreline or floating on the current in her long white gown spread out in the water. On many a dark night, people would see her walking along the riverbank and crying for her children. And so they no longer spoke spoke of her as, as Maria, but as La Llorona, the weeping woman. Children were warned not to go out in the dark, for La Llorona might snatch them thinking they were her own children and throw them to death in the flowing river. Though the legends vary... The apparition is said to act without hesitancy or mercy. The tales of her cruelty depend on the version of the legend you hear. Some say she kills indiscriminately, taking men, women, and children, um, whoever is basically foolish enough to interact with her. Others say that she only kills children, um, and still others say that she only kills, like, cheating husbands. I do like that last version. Yeah. Like, direct the anger where it deserves to be directed towards. So one of the versions I've heard is very similar to this last one that you talked about, mm-hmm. except it's that she she has this break when she finds out her husband is cheating on her. So she drowns herself and her children. Yep. Um, And when she kind of like her wakes up, so to speak, in the river, she's not allowed to cross over to the other side. Because she doesn't have her children with her. Oh. And, you know, the, the gods or the spirits or whatever, like, you need to have your children with you in order to cross over to the other side. So what she does is she, like, hunts for children to replace the two that she lost. Yeah. Okay. Who I think presumably did make it to the other side. Just without <laughs> their mother. Just yeah. stuck here. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, pushing pushing the boulder up the hill. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so, yeah, there's stories of, like, people and how they've encountered La Llorona. Like, there are multiple, like, novellas of people that have put together stories of people encountering them. 
Um, and she has been seen along many different rivers in the southwest of the United States and like in Mexico. And the legend has become such a part of Hispanic culture um, everywhere um, that, yeah, like a lot of times people say that those who do not treat their families, particularly their mothers, well are the people that see her and she will teach them a lesson in one way or another. Mm. So, so she's also kind of like a boogeyman. Yeah. There's a story I read about a man named Epifana Garcia who was like super outspoken and he would argue with his mo- mom and dad quite often. And so after one heated argument, he and his brothers decided to leave and they were like, no, screw you parents. Like we're, we're going to leave. And so they, we're headed down the road toward Santa Fe, like next to the river, and they were along their way when suddenly a tall woman wearing um, white with a black net over her face appeared between the two boys that were driving like the cart they were riding in. No. Yeah, apparently she didn't say anything and she just sat there until finally they just like tur- like got so freaked out by this woman that they turned the cart around to go home. And apparently at that point she said, I will visit you again someday when you argue with your mother. And then she just disappeared. That is horrifying. I'm like... No, thanks. <laughs> the, the, the whole hitchhiking ghost, like the ghost appearing in your car thing is so horrifying because like I'm one of those people. I check the backseat of my car before I get in. Oh, I am too. Like I'll check the backseat like more... when I'm driving, like yes. through my rear view mirror. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like I get in, I lock my doors and I'm like, what, what would that do? I know. I know. And I'm just like, but it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, and all of a sudden there's someone in your car. I'm like, I would just veer off the road. (laughs) Oh, right. Like, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I do not like that. Um, I I do kind of like the, you know, the idea, you know, where it's like, be nice to your mother. She's not going to be around forever. Like the child murderer. (laughs) Right. I do like that, too. So those are different like versions, but there's also different regional versions depending on like where you are. Again, the recurring themes of the La Llorona myth include white dresses, like her being wet, her being beautiful, her coming out at night and crying, and then some association with water and generally an association with children as well. So the first one I start with is Mexico, because that's kind of where like this legend is most deeply rooted Um, So La Llorona, like I said, yeah, deeply rooted in Mexican popular culture. Her story is told to children to encourage them not to wander off in the dark or go near bodies of water such as rivers or lakes alone. Her spirit is often evoked in their artwork. There's a play called Leyenda de la Llorona, and it's a yearly waterfront theatrical performance of the legend of La Llorona set on the canals um, in Mexico City which was established, like this play and this thing that they do was established in 1993 to coincide with the Day of the Dead. So it's coming up. That is awesome. But yeah, so... De La Llorona. I love it. And so, yeah, like La Llorona is like super deeply rooted in Mexican popular culture. Um, And yeah, like it's very much a tale of like, don't go near rivers. Like it's it's kind of told like as a way to keep children away from moving water. Which you is know, dangerous. You know what I love about that is that even though she is this frightening figure who in a lot of iterations of the legend has killed her children and poses a threat, the story is actually used by mothers to keep their children safe. Right. So it, again, it's that duality. Right. I, I, I do like that too. Yeah. 
So we'll move now to Guatemala. And according to local legend in Guatemala City, there lived a woman who had an affair uh, with a lover. So she was married, had an affair, and she became pregnant with her lover's child and gave birth to a child named Juan de la Cruz, who she drowned so her husband wouldn't find out that she had like a child with another man. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of that, the woman was condemned in the afterlife to search for her murdered son in every place where there's a pool of water. She does that by crying out for him. Hence, hence the moniker La Llorona or the weeping woman or the wailing woman. It is a popular scary legend. And um, that in one iteration or another has been told generation after a generation of children's there's a terrifying cry she apparently cries in this legend oh my children it's and it's like a well-known so apparently one odd i found it odd odd detail for the guatemalan version of this is that um if you hear the cry of oh my children from afar like so if you hear it in the distance it means she's close to you But if you hear the cry like close, it means she's like farther away. And I'm like, wait, what? Um, I fucking hate that. Yep. And this story is one of the ones that if you're unlucky enough to face her, you're you're they call it one over. But basically you you don't come back. You're you end up going into the afterlife with her and you're never seen again. So there are there are other there's um there's some kind of like cryptid or mythical monster i think it's in the philippines yeah and that's a similar i don't remember the name of it but it has a similar thing where like if you hear it hear it far away it's actually close to you yeah and vice versa like that freaks me the fuck out no thank you kind of it kind of makes sense because if you hear from far away you're like oh i don't have to be too worried yet yeah but if you hear it you know from close you're gonna book it and probably get closer to where it actually is I'm trying to like figure out how supernatural entities employ hunting tactics. Right? That's a lot. Okay, so now we'll move to the United States. So La Llorona is a common myth in the southwestern United States. And again, this is it is told to scare children into good behavior. And again, specifically to deter children from playing near dangerous sources of water. Um, it is also told to children that her cries are heard as she walks around the street or near bodies of water. Um, and in, in some versions of the one, particularly in the indigenous part or to the indigenous people of Southern California, um, La Llorona is linked to, uh, I'm going to butcher this. Not, not, not a sea or a mythological creature with a cry similar to that of a newborn baby. So, like, they kind of, like, Ooh, work hand yeah. in hand. I'm like, oh, that seems yeah. creepy as hell. Um, so the last one I have down is Venezuela. Um, they also have a tale of La Llorona. And it's this one is set during colonial period. And this is, yeah, this is a spirit of a woman who died of sorrow after her children were killed. Um, there's two different versions. Either she kills her children and then dies of sorrow or, like, her family or her lover kills her children and then she dies of sorrow. Um, and in this myth, um, you can put a wooden cross above your door to ward off such a spirit to like, keep them away from you and keep that you safe. Um, so there are other mythologies that are similar to La Llorona, but not like they don't go under the same name. Like in, like I said, in, in Eastern Europe, in Russia, there's a, a water spirit in Slavic myth. That's very similar. Um, and yeah, like there, there, there's one that is like a woman that drowns either due to suicide or murder generally when they were pregnant. 
um, and stuff like that. And so it's just very interesting. But like, yeah, La, La Llorona is very much like rooted in Mexico and Guatemala and like South American or mid America, really. Um, like, yeah, like lore Central, and Central and South American folklore. Yep. And, and like Emily mentioned earlier, like there's, there's a lot of tales like about it being an indigenous woman with a conquistador and yeah, like how, yeah, like there's this like taking of things and yeah, that she is this like reminder to, you know, not let it happen again and stuff. But yeah, also like there's the Madonna complex in there of like, they call her Maria, which is like the Spanish version of Mary. And like, she's, yeah, she's super beautiful. But then she also, yeah, is going against this like feminine nature by killing her children. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So that is the many different versions of La Llorona. So something I just want to point out, like we're, we're talking about killing children a lot more than we typically do for an episode. Fortunately, this isn't a completely like fictional myth, you know, yeah, that's the like, only reason I am okay with it. <laughs> yes. Um, but I but what that says about us and our culture and the way we view women and their responsibility over children, I don't think can be overstated because statistically, like in real court cases, if a male family figure, a father, boy, whatever, is responsible for the death of a child, their sentences are statistically less they like they That's serve less time inter- yeah because it's like well woman. they shouldn't have been watching the child anyways like there's that exactly. weird innate thing because we expect yeah. violence from men but we do not expect it especially against children from women yeah and so it seemed it's seen like a, an even bigger sin it's it's not just a sin against another person it is a social cultural and spiritual sin that you've committed right yeah to the point I where you cannot cross into the afterlife like you are forever yeah. doomed to walk this earth because of this ho- like horrible sin you committed and yes killing yeah. children killing anyone is a horrible sin but like yeah just how harsh they are on women versus men and the fact that that like not only is that in mythology but yeah it carries through to present day yeah because not only is she is she kind of punished either people kill her in retribution but she is serving this extra extraordinary supernatural punishment of having to wander the world without her children like she's in this constant search for them and she's never going to find them yeah. Like Sisyphus in the boulder, you know, it's this eternal punishment, spiritual punishment. Right. And like, also like th- there's almost that like double punishment of like, if you are a bad enough mother to let your children wander alone at night, you may get your, your children stolen from you by this ghost who is looking for her children. Like there's right. like, that almost like double like thing of like, you know, yeah, like if you're not watching your children close enough, someone else is going to take them, whether it's a ghost or a real person. But like there's that like double meaning within this story of like, hey, children don't do this, but also like, hey, parents, particularly mothers, like keep an eye on your children. Exactly. Uh, and, and I think that's why this this concept is so prevalent in every culture. 
like ac- across time periods, you know? Yeah. And again, the drowning and the, the water. So water is very dangerous, especially like in a time where like you couldn't just sign your kids up for fucking swim lessons. Like right. no one knew how to swim. Exactly. Um, and warning children against water, incredibly important. But also it kind of reminds me of like when we talk about women who kill, we talk about how statistically poison seems to be a very popular method because it's, I, I think it's it's seen as more passive, even though it's not. No, it's not. It, it's it's not. But I think it's, you know, because women are in charge of those domestic duties, like dealing with food and medicine. But you don't you don't see the examples of a woman using like a deadly weapon or like this close kind of hand to hand killing style. And I think the water drowning is a similar it but is like, like you know, I get what, I mean? what you're like, trying to say. Yeah, like it is like, a it's similar not passive, thing. But it, it, it feels out of place for a woman to use like a weapon, but the drowning, it feels like it's more in the feminine realm for yeah. these legends. It's not as violent. Like it's not as they overtly violent. Way. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah, like it. It's there's no blood. There's no gore. There's no. Yeah, there's no there's no weapons per se. Like it is. It's it's a much more like. It's not, but it feels like a much more like passive form of violence. Yeah, yeah. And obviously yeah. drowning is not passive and it's not okay. Um, but I but yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at because when we talk about these legends of women who kill, you know, they're not running around with guns or knives. It's poison, it's drowning, it's you just disappear. There's never this like very violent confrontation. Nope. It's always something that seems a little bit removed from actual violence. Right. It's it's a you just don't come back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so creepy. Yeah. I hope if we have anyone listening there from that, like, heritage that, like, grew up with these stories that I did it justice. And obviously, like, if anyone listening has their own tales of, like, either encountering La Llorona or even just being told it as a child, I would love... To either be corrected or even just hear your thoughts and experiences, just like Emily said with her story. Like, I would also like to hear it if you have any for La Llorona. La Llorona. (laughs) Sorry, I had to do it one time. She is going to take your kids because she's damned to wander the earth because she's La La Llorona. So Kelly, what are you thankful for? Um, I am thankful for a really lovely vacation this last week. Um, like the, I mean, the weather was actually I'm honestly like a little too hot because it's like 40 here. Well, now it's like freezing, literally freezing. Yeah. Um, but like I went from like 50s to like 90s, and I'm like, why is it so goddamn hot here? <laughs> but it was nice. Like I had a really good time, and like I don't like I'm not a fan of flying. Um just because I've had bad experiences in the past. So I'm not a fan of flying, but both of my flights were like really smooth and like they went really well and like the airport was fine. And so I'm like, all right, like, and then I took like uh, an extra like day and a half off, like when I got back to just kind of like chill before jumping back into work. And that was really nice. And just being thankful for like having that vacation. And I think I even said it before I went on vacation. So I'm probably repeating myself, but like just feeling lucky that I can even take a vacation Mm-hmm. So what are you thankful for? Especially like coming out of the pandemic. Yeah. Where it's like travel isn't a thing. Right. Um, 
I'm really thankful because I ran my second ever 5K and I ran the whole time, which was my goal. Emily's badass. I, it, it was, it was so much fun. And it was like a bunch of, a bunch of my friends and I, like we got together to do it and I actually felt really good. And I don't know. I was like, oh my God. And there were a few times where I'm like, I'd love to just take a break and walk because like, I don't have a lot of mental energy for that kind of crap. Right. But you pushed yourself and I'm so proud that you did. And I was like, you're going to be so mad. You're going to be so fucking pissed if you don't keep running. So yeah. And now I'm doing another 5k on Thanksgiving. Yeah. What? (laughs) Yeah. I'm doing the turkey trot. You're crazy. I am. You're amazing, uh, but you're crazy. Our team name are the uh, Spanksgiving spinsters. Are you doing it with like so the I same had, group of friends? Yeah, yeah. So I had to be a part of that. Actually, my one friend, uh, Tierney, she like the day, so she did the hot sire hustle with us. This is the first 5K she's ever ran. And she's like texting us later that day. She's like, we should all do the turkey trot. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, we just finished this. Like, I am physically and emotionally not well enough to commit to anything and then later that day I signed up because I apparently don't like myself (laughs) I feel like I need to be punished I think you do like yourself and I think it's one of those things that it's like that motivation like even if you don't want to do it it's still motivating well also like I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking eat myself into a coma on Thanksgiving so this will be like my excuse to do whatever I want and eat everything yeah it just means you have to get up goddamn early (laughs) to go to the run I'm definitely gonna need a squeeze in a nap yeah after it'll be great though it'll be fun it'll be fun but yeah no that that was exciting and just seeing that I, I could push myself and actually run the whole thing so I'm so proud of you thank you well, thank you so much for everyone uh, listening to our super spooky podcast. Next week, Ooh. we're going to kind of be back to our normal, typical badass babes uh, instead of women who are trying to kill you. Yeah. In a variety of horrifying methods. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly True poison story. and drowning. Yeah. <laughs> so much poison. I like don't I'm like thank god I live alone and prepare all my own food because I don't trust food anymore. No, I don't trust people. Uh, I also don't trust really beautiful people. Right. I mean, I never did, but like like, even more so. (laughs) This is, this is your special warning from your community five. Never trust a 10. (laughs) (laughs) Please like us on Facebook at whining about herstory, Instagram at W A H pad. Our website is whining about herstory.com where you can find the links to all of those locations. The links to everywhere you can listen to us, our sweet ass merch, a link to our buy me a coffee where you can Buy us a bottle of wine for $5 and we'll find something that either matches your name or that you tell us to buy. Um, you can also find a link to our Patreon where you can donate as little as $1 a month. And we have some new patrons recently, so you probably know who you are. So thank you, but you'll get proper shout outs soon. And we love all of you. We're so thankful. Oh, my God. And look, Max. Max showed up. My wavy orphan dog. And he is also very thankful. Yes, he is. He's like, mom, why aren't you loving me? He's like, mom, this is okay. He actually looks okay for once. He's like, well, I'm being held. I'm him. Yep. That's because I'm holding him now. He like came in and he's like, it's been entirely too long since you've given me attention. It's How been like you? an hour and a half, mom. How yeah. dare. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And that's Max. And have an empowered day. Bye.